0: The word of the Lord from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. When Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our text for our sermon today comes from the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 17 that I just finished reading for you and serves as the basis of our theme for Thanksgiving Eve 2020. Come. Ye thankful people come. Well, this has been quite the year. And I'm sure many of you are wondering, what in the world do we have to be thankful for? A worldwide pandemic that royally screwed up all of our lives for months now? And maybe even years to come? The social unrest? and violence perpetrated at the touch of a phone screen sending thousands into the streets at any actual or just perceived injustice destroying public and private property alike? How about divisions in the government and increasing perception that nobody can be trusted anymore with the reins of our cultural leadership? Can we be thankful for the social media? that threatens Orwellian overreach and invasion of our privacy, even leading to persecution, if even a single person finds just one misplaced statement in our feed? At the rate we're going, it would take a miracle to fix all the problems 2020 has presented us with, and quite frankly, have been there long before this last awful year. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus performed miracles, 10 of them as a matter of fact. And those 10 miracles completely cured those men of an incurable disease. Worse than that, even, cured them of an incurable life. Leprosy was a lifestyle change, the likes of which almost none of us have ever seen, or likely ever will. Upon being declared unclean, your life was no longer your own, and the life you lived no longer existed. You are banished, isolated, unable to work, unable to abide in polite society anymore. So when Jesus healed their disease, he not only healed their disease, he healed their entire lives and restored what was hopelessly lost. Ironically, only one man would muster the motivation to turn around and give credit to Jesus for all that he did for him. I think that is the way it is with us as well. I can't tell you how many times in my life God has uniquely redeemed me from the paths I trod that was most certainly leading to my own utter and well-deserved destruction. But when I miraculously survived or was steered clear of permanent danger, my Lord got nary a consideration nor credit for the redemption he accomplished on my behalf. I and we are not unlike the lepers, especially when we doubt God, refuse to trust God, and then forget all his benefits to me, Until the next time we are in trouble again. How can we forget how God gave us our Savior Jesus in the first place? It's not like his death and resurrection is forgotten in the accounts of our regular worship. It's not like we don't have pastors and preachers who don't regularly tell us about what God has done. And it's certainly not like we lack in devotions, podcasts, and all sorts of online resources to remember every day. It's more like we are bored with it, a little too used to forgiveness, and take it for granted. It's hard to be thankful for that which you never believe you will ever have to live without until God gives us a year when we did have to live without. And that's why we should really be thankful for and celebrate 2020 as the cause for so much more to be thankful for than to be sorrowful over. How about a worldwide effort amidst the pandemic that all of our lives around the world together fought a common enemy, uniting us like nothing else could. The Wuhan flu has given us all such an amazing connection to everyone in the world because we are all going through it and we will all have to survive it together. How about the actual peaceful protest where people took to the streets to have real reconciling conversations about the importance to come together as Christians in order to worship God rather than stand for draconian oversight that needlessly kept us apart when we could otherwise have been together? The desire to be with one another now awakened and made alive in the heart of every Christian as that one place we needed to be, especially when we could not be. How about the social media that we were able to take advantage of to share the gospel, worship online, devote ourselves to God's word online and in person with every group that meets at faith? All these things that we thought were horrible should not be forgotten like the nine lepers did when we realized how wonderful Christ was in the midst of and even because of all that was awful. Many of you are quite aware of the amazing school ministry we have here at Faith. The outreach to the community, the ministering to the unchurched, And the Christian indoctrination that is on par with any catechesis I have seen anywhere is something to behold. This week in chapel, Mrs. Newman shared a wonderful video of a microcosm of the thankful children that I believe is indicative of the whole. These kids shared wonderful thanks for mom and for dad and for their parents. They shared thanks for Disney World and dinosaurs. And then my heart melted when one little girl was thankful for Jesus. That's who we have to be thankful for. And that's who we are thanking God every day for. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for being our Savior Thank you for all the blessings that you give us every day, especially at this time of national thanksgiving. We give thanks for family and friends, church and good government, health and means to live, shelter, safe food, and water. Now, may that peace which surpasses all understanding make us thankful in all things for the one who truly provides for us and cares for us always. Amen. The Word of the Lord, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. Grace to you, and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you, because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you, from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation comes from the epistle to the church at Corinth and serves as the basis of our theme for the first Sunday in Advent, the apocalypse of our Lord Jesus Christ. I like bow ties. There, I said it. There is no turning back now. And you should know all... I have been criticized by people near and dear to me for engaging in said neckline accoutrement. The criticisms go something like this. You can't wear a bow tie. Only old Southern Democrats wear bow ties. Or the only people who should wear bow ties are circus ringmasters or carnies. Or if you want to wear a bow tie, you should probably pick up a monkey and an organ grinder to go with it. And the most insulting I have ever heard, albeit delivered innocently enough, was the day I was wearing my light gray suit with a red bow tie and someone remarked, Hey, you look just like Pee Wee Herman. But I will not repent of this suggested cultural sin. I loved my bow ties. Ever since Lois Ford gave me my first school-colored bow tie and pocket kerchief combo, I was hooked. They do not get in the way like a regular tie does. They are easier and quicker to tie than a regular tie, and I like how it draws everyone's attention in the room, even if it just draws criticism for wearing one. Bow tie Tuesdays, here I come, ringmasters and carnies. Unite, we will not surrender this adornment to any political party. The bow tie belongs to everyone and no one has a monopoly on its display around their neck. Now, I just need to find some white patent leather shoes to go with my light gray suit and red bow tie. You know, sometimes the culture tries to categorize certain things as only belonging in certain places and we tend to go along with it passively, not even realizing it at the time. For example, certain clothes can only be worn by certain racial groups, or you may be accused of cultural appropriation. Music is often attributed to only one particular race. R&B belongs to the black community. Country music belongs to the white community. Bluegrass belongs to hillbillies. Food is even divided on racial lines, whether it's barbecue, soul food, mayonnaise, or even certain flavors of soda pop. It all classifies us submissively, and we don't even notice it until someone points it out, because we just accept it as the way things are. It is what it is, we say, and we don't give it another thought. The title of the sermon is just such a subject in Christendom. I imagine when you heard the title or saw it on the screen, you imagined a bit of doom and gloom, didn't you? After all, when is an apocalypse anything but doom and gloom in our culture's mind these days? It doesn't help that movies like Apocalypse Now had songs by the doors singing those mournful lyrics in the background This is the end, my only friend, the end. Or more recently, Mel Gibson's movie, Apocalypto, portrayed in graphic detail the end of entire tribal communities through human sacrifice, which was key to the spiritual world of the Mexica people in the 14th and 16th centuries. So the evolution of apocalypse in our culture is doom and gloom, and it has some significant theatrical foundation. Unfortunately, it has even been co-opted by some Christians and used in end-time books that use the technique of scaring the hell out of people, hoping somehow that will get everyone to heaven. So we see this in the movies. We see this in the popular left-behind books, and we even hear it in some pulpits and some churches in the area. But we do not see it in the Bible, and today's lesson is the perfect example. Just look over the text today. The revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, or more accurately rendered, the apocalypse of our Lord Jesus Christ, shows no doom or gloom for God's people. Rather, the riches of life eternal, security found nowhere else, gifts in abundance, and an intensity of expectation that is awe-inspiring with its possibilities for all humankind. As we anticipate the faithful return and revelation of our Lord Jesus in this season of the advent of our God, he has indeed given us all wisdom and knowledge for seeing him as he is. Through the amazing words of Holy Scripture handed down over thousands of years, we have a glimpse into the very mind of God to guide us in our decisions over right and wrong, helping us manage our lives the best way possible and drawing us closer to Him every time we devote ourselves to His precious text. The security that we have nowhere else, is the verifiable, legally guaranteed forgiveness of our sins, won by the child who came in the most humble of ways to remove our sins by willingly dying for them on the cross in our place. If ever there was a legal release from obligation, this is it. If ever there was a pardon for sins, Jesus paid for it. If ever there was a get-out-of-sheol-free card, Jesus dealt it from the top of the deck, right into our hands with his very body and blood. Then we lack in no gifts whatsoever. We have everything from God given out of grace, empowered through the church because of God and our risen Lord Jesus. This means whatever we need to run the church, proclaim the gospel, administer the school, bake the cookies, visit the sick and shut-in, reach the unchurched, help the disenfranchised, and lift up the poor, is already in our spiritual bank of Christ, just waiting to be spent by those who believe he placed those gifts there for us to use in his kingdom. Finally, we have the eager anticipation for the apocalypse, the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't wait for it to come to fruition. We wake up every day wondering as we watch the headlines. Is it now, Lord? We wait intensely, but patiently. Because we know Jesus has been apocalypsed, revealed before, and he will be apocalypsed again. I've heard that some kids find the arrival of Santa Claus scary during Christmas. Obviously, this is an anomaly, but if he's not explained properly to the child, and the child is just immature enough not to understand, you can just imagine how frightening Santa might be. I mean, just imagine a man coming in the dark of night, and there's no way to keep him out of his house. After all, he can slip right down any chimney. Now imagine that he has the demigod ability to see everything you do all the time, even when you are sleeping. And imagine that he is keeping a list of everything you do, determines if you are naughty or nice, like an unfeeling, sneering overlord who cares little for the circumstances that may have caused your ill behavior to begin with. Santa Seems a lot more like Satan to that little kid than jolly old St. Nicholas. But then we, as a community, explain the details. Show him or her the joy of the season rather than the miserable misunderstanding they concocted, and the eve of Christmas Day becomes that joyful moment in time that they can eagerly anticipate as the arrival of a good day full of good things for them. That is the true spirit of the apocalypse of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is not a horrifying day. It's an amazing day when all that is good will be restored and the real good life begins. This is the message we have to give to our otherwise uninformed friends. This is the gift that keeps on giving in this confused and mixed up world. This is the joy in Jesus we have always had and want everyone to have. The apocalypse of our Lord Jesus Christ is the advent of our God as we eagerly anticipate his return and celebrate when he came as a babe of Bethlehem. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.